Good to see everyone. Yeah, Daniel may have asked for a bong hit. That may have been his request, in which we cannot do that for many reasons. Yes. What do you mean? I could do that shit all day long. Nope. We can't on the live you stream. Can't. Why you can't. Uh, how would how would anyone know if it's weed or not? Somebody comes, oh, I was smoking oregano officer. Like they're not gonna know. Oregano. A bongo hit. That we can do. Yes, Shram. A we, bongo well, hit. Jen picked something out for you, Daniel, on your behalf. I did. So um let's so, get started. Yes, I, we are I, we're so like, far behind and I we have, apologize. I have needed this shot. It's been sitting here for the last it, it's, hour. It's taken a lot for me to not touch this the entire time we were well, going through that. Well, that's you know what it is. We do not. I know. I'm really excited for it. I think it's gonna be really good. Um and I stopped to get some coffee coffee from Lodi before which is um a, it's a newer chain here um and I think it'll go good in our coffee so this is for Dan Daniel um He's, he said make sure we scream Emilio, Emilio. don't scream anything please no, we you, you scream Emilio <laughs> surprise shots surprise shots we don't know what they are because they're a surprise you know where that's from yeah what night at the Roxbury oh yeah cheers Emilio! Oh, Stroop Waffle! May I have another? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go get a, a cup? Just, nah. just put, fill this thing up, this coffee cup. It actually kind of tastes like I'm taking a shot of like maple syrup. So I know you said Stroop Waffle. All right. So, that, so this is a Stroop Waffle flavored vodka, um, which if you don't know what a Stroop Waffle is, they're little um, like waffle crisps with caramel wafers. in between. Mm-hmm. Wa- wa- wafers with caramel. That You get them in Amsterdam or I mean, they sell them in America too, you but you get them at Harris Teeter right down the street. I said they sell them in America. <laughs> Go to Amsterdam. Just They're go from to, Amsterdam. Just go to Teats. <laughs> what the fuck? Get them anywhere, and they are delicious. They're so good. My mom used to bring them home from Amsterdam for me on when she went to Amsterdam. No, there is she, a really good. She, she uh, got home and then stopped at the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I forgot to get my daughter something. <laughs> she stops in Harris Teeter. <laughs> we don't have Harris Teeter. That's right. In stop Boston. and shop. Okay. We're doing trivia, double trivia. So yes. Nicole's gonna be doing that all day. If you are a supporter, you can win great prizes. Uh, also, welcome in case you didn't hear um, in our second episode last week. Uh, welcome to Emily. Thank you so much for joining and welcome back, Daniel. And now we also have a TikTok. It is at TM2MPod. All right, let me make one nice. thing clear. I don't have a damn TikTok. You have a TikTok. Jen is manning the TikTok and the Patreon. Yes. She's on it. Are you sure? I know that's like two things. She's got it. You, so first you first you maim me for the rest of my life. And now you're going to continue to insult me? I don't know why you would expect anything else. I, I, don't, I don't either, actually. Uh, hey, Summer. We're going to Nigeria. Can you um, tell us where that is, Jen? Africa. There you go. Wait, the world is upside down. I actually did a project on Nigeria when really? I was in fifth grade. Do you well, remember tell anything? Us, tell us about it. I remember that the flag is green and white. There you go. That's Can something. someone please look that up? I kind of don't think that's... The- you know what? <laughs> Damn it. All right. Here I we're think going. If I remember correctly, it has like a kind of like a cross on it, like a, but not like a centered cross. Like a, I think I could know, be wrong. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm like 99.7% sure it's green and white. All right. We're going here, Jen. This is Nigeria right here. Can you describe this? That looks like dirt. It's, yeah. Dirt mixed with a lot of seawater. Very good, Jen. So this is in the middle of the ocean here. Sunday, May 26, 2013, 19 miles off the coast of Escravos in Nigeria. 
If Natasha you, asked, is that where the prince who promised me a ton of money lives? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so we are going in the middle of the ocean. Actually, 19 miles off the coast of Escravos, tugboat. Here, if, can you describe this tugboat? Oh, it's red. It has tires on it. Um, well, yeah, why is it? It's oh, a tugboat. I guess, I guess those are buoys. Or like Do you keeps, remember Timmy the Tugboat? Do you remember Timmy the Tugboat? Sounds familiar. It was a PBS show. I don't remember it. Well, you were you're older than us. It also came out like maybe more so when my sister was like just born. So maybe I was like six. So I could have been a little old for it. Kind of like Thomas the Tank Engine yes. faces. I do and remember And they had this. a helicopter with the face on it. Okay. All right. Tonight we're going to 2013, May 26. This is a Sunday. This is 19 miles off the coast of Nigeria. That tugboat that you just saw was... Timmy. Jascon 4. Timmy. You remember the Byford Dolphin? Yes. Accident? Heck yes. Oh, yeah. So they were on an oil platform, right? So how does that oil platform get out there? These tugboats drag it out there. And every once in a while, they have to kind of reposition it and, and pull it with these big cables to kind of get it back where they want it. Mm-hmm. So that's what this boat was doing. It was with three other boats. This is the press release from the company that, that runs this these three tugboats that were out there. 12 crew members are missing after a Chevron contracted tugboat sank on Sunday due to rough seas off the coast of Nigeria, the ship's owner said on Tuesday. Now, this is sad, but it happens a lot. These these tugboats, they flip over or they sink somehow. And if you're on a tugboat like this, you don't have access to oxygen, mask and stuff like that. You're just you're not even like dive qualified. You're just kind of workers, if that makes sense. These big companies like Chevron Oil and, you know, all the big ones, Exxon, whoever dumped all that BP oil, a BP oil spill. They hire a crew to go out there and do these these tasks. They're not divers or anything. Mm -hmm. I will say that in this part of Nigeria, especially around this this uh, this big waterway right here is prime time for oil. A lot of the oil comes from here. So they spend billions on this oil and and setting up oil rigs, which is great for Nigeria, right? Because they're getting commissions and kickbacks. All right, check it out. So this is this spot right here on the map. And I'll put all these photos on talkmer.com. We might finish this today. This is the spot where they were. So you have three tugboats here. And they're surrounding this mooring point, which is basically anywhere a boat could hook up to, which mm-hmm. is the oil, the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, not the dolphin. Yeah, dolphin. Is that what they called? I the, think so. The big, yeah, yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah. The big oil dolphin. And they hook up to there. So this is where the boat was. And you see it's about 20 miles off the, the coast here. In this body of water, occasionally there's these these uh, random ocean water swells, and it's basically a freak wave that comes in. Remember that time we were affected by a freak wave? Sure do. Holy shit! Yeah, it was like quiet. your phone. My phone went into the, everything else was left behind. It threw Thank us God on the we ground. Got our car keys. Oh my gosh, I that know. would have been terrible. It threw us on the ground. Yeah, like it was so powerful. It was so silent, and then all of a sudden it was just like. <laughs> But the thing that was crazy was that like it was the tide was really far out and we had our stuff stuff up by the dunes. It wasn't like we just had it like in the mm-hmm. middle of the beach. Yep. And it, it we uh, I, my phone went swimming never to be found again. Mm-hmm. Quote heavy ocean swells capsized this tugboat while they were performing towing operations. And their job was to stabilize this oil tanker. This was, like I said, about 19 miles off the coast. 12 crew members sank with the ship. 
And like I said, there's no oxygen for them to get. So, and the worst thing about it is the, the ocean swell tips the boat over, or it did in this case, and it sank to the bottom. So like the 12 members are, there's no hope for them. Hmm. Okay. Now, once this happens, they first send a, a crew, you know, a rescue crew, but they quickly found out that they're not going to you know, have any, anything. Yeah. yeah, recover anything. So then they send another crew out, which we're going to be talking about tonight. And is this gentleman right here. There are three of them. And these gentlemen right here, these professional divers, their job is to recover the bodies as quickly as possible. So they're briefed. They got 12 bodies to recover. Time is an essence here. Why do you think that is? I mean, there's only so so long. Yeah, because it's the ocean. Well, because fish eat the flesh. Right. Yeah, fish, fish nibble on the flesh. Yeah, exactly. And like they gotta, those pedicure fish. And they got to bury these bodies. You yeah. Know? Yeah. This is the guy we're going to be talking about tonight. And there is video from this event, but this is the guy right here. And that gentleman's name from left to right was Andre Erasmus. Uh, Nico Van Herden, which is the guy we're talking about, who we're going to actually see video from tonight. And Daryl Ostrusen. Are they Dutch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, your shot was perfectly picked then. Winning. They get called in for the unfortunate task of finding 12 bodies. And think about it. Okay, not only has a ship sunk and you have to fish out 12 bodies, but it's also upside down. But the ship actually is a hundred feet down in the water it's on the the ocean floor because it's right by the coast so it's not that far a mm-hmm. hundred feet down and it's flipped over okay as a diver and i've never been diving before but you do have a flashlight but it doesn't really provide that much because there's there's like plankton and 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 when the ship hits the ground it you know throws up, up all this du- yeah. all this dirt this ocean floor and it stays there for weeks probably as you'll see in the video the visibility is terrible so basically they come in and it's like all right this is a very dangerous mission the layout of the ship is pretty well mapped out as a tugboat, but guess what? It's upside down. Mm. And as you'll see in some of the videos, there's there's cabins, there's doors. There's a lot of ways that one could get stuck. Mm-hmm. That, That's scary. In the, I know, right? In these tight... Oh, God, I'm starting to get some anxiety here. Very tight passageways, you could John Jones it. Is that the one from the Nutty Putty Cave? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that That case... <laughs> today really gives me the heebie-jeebies. See, that's one when I was I was away. I was on Martha's Vineyard. Oh to God, you about. missed the Nutty Putty Cave. You missed it. I was I was oh. like streaming it. I was literally walking down the streets on Martha's Vineyard, and I was like typing and trying to watch it. But then I, I like anytime I hear people do like cave stuff. It's called spelunking. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, that doesn't sound like fun to me. So I definitely recommend that episode. He was stuck face down in a cave for how many hours? It's a very difficult mission for these men. Let's just say this. It's dark. They don't know the layout. They could easily get confused. There's cabins. There's doors. There's passageways. Plus the the ship is crumpled up at the bottom. Mm. There is a lot of ways that this could go very wrong very quick. I mean, think about it. You go into a, a little cabin, which takes hours to open the door. These are big steel doors. Hours to get them open. And they're underwater. And they're underwater. 
So there's already the amount of pressure from the water exactly. going against the doors. Exactly. So you're also on a time limit there. And let's say the door shuts behind you oh, and no. you know it takes three hours to get it open. And let's say even worse that your oxygen tube gets snagged on something and pops out. You're done, son. Yikes. I don't like these kinds of cases. Plus the fact that your your job here is to pull out 12 bodies. Oh, and I was uh, reading about how some of these guys do it. It is kind of dark down there, as you'll see. And there's three guys that go down up on the the uh, the dolphin. There's the commander of these three. And he has live video feed and live microphone feed from each diver. If they get confused or something, this guy up on the shore, he has the layout and he tries to guide them the best he can. OK, but like I said, something could happen and things could go wrong real right. quick. But when you were you're down there and you have to fish out these bodies, which is not this is not the first time they did this, but it's almost like you you hold your hands out like it's pitch black. And then as a dead body is floating in the water, not floating, but it's suspended in the water. The first thing you'll touch is a hand or a foot. You see if they're fingers and then you're like, OK, it's a corpse. You drag the corpse out, which floats pretty easily. And then you you're off to the next one. So that's their job. Sucks sucks right i have a lot of anxiety yeah this is yeah yeah this is just i don't know why i all automatically think of titanic don't let go jack all right i am i don't like those kinds of movies i'm thinking poseidon is what they're referring to on the live chat and then um the perfect storm was one that actually like really stuck with me growing up yeah i i didn't watch that movie because i don't like doomsday movies Perfect Storm was not a doomsday movie based uh, on a true story. Oh, never mind. I still didn't see it. Yeah. But I, what am I thinking of? Oh, Day After Tomorrow. That's what I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like doomsday movies. I don't like um whatever other movies don't I like. Oh, movies about like... Well, I mean, I'm trying to be better about horror films, but like I don't like the demon ones. Yeah. I don't like the modern day stuff. I'm trying to be better about them. What do you mean better? Like, you don't have to like them. I know, but I want... I want to like them. I want to be able to enjoy, enjoy them. them, but they're scary. You know, last night I was in my house and I'm I'm hoping it was just like a light, but I swear I saw something moving in my kitchen, like go past like the wall w- was here and I was sitting on my couch like here and I saw something go past here. It was like a kind of yellowish color so i'm hoping it was a headlight but i don't know it was really kind of spooky i'm also hoping it was a headlight and probably probably it was a headlight but like we know what it could be and this is like naturally how light works it's kind of a kind of a thing with light but if you have like i don't know a headlight coming by and then it could actually reflect off something like let's say a guy is uh holding an axe Walking through your house, and you know the shiny side of an axe, it yeah. can reflect the yeah, light. Yeah, there so- you go. There you go. That's probably what it was. <laughs> but there was no sound. Like it wasn't, and it was, it was like in the air. It wasn't like I, there were no footsteps or anything. But my house is set so far back that I don't like headlights don't come up there unless someone's pulling into my driveway. But there wasn't. It, there wasn't. Well, he would probably just walk, I would imagine. There were no footsteps. Yeah. All right, check this out. This is kind of the video of what you would see if you're pulling out a body in the water. This is what they're going through. Remember that time you saw that body on the beach? Yeah. 
I put yeah. it. I put it there. Stop. So this is what you're seeing right here, right? All right. So the, you can't see anything here. No. Yeah, yeah. The light is the light is shining, but but look at it. You just see like it's like particles. Yeah. It's reflecting back. So looking at this right now, and you do have constant communication from the the commander upstairs. But looking at that video, you can't see anything. So how do no. you find a body? You gotta like feel for it. You gotta feel for oh, it. Oh no, I don't like that. Well, Jim, what do you like here? Pizza and beer. Now we're we're following this diver named Van Hurden. We have his video. That was his video that you just saw. I'll put that on talkmer.com. Three hours goes by because it takes three hours just to open the front door because of the pressure. He gets into the the main cabin and he finds a body. It's a corpse. Okay. He finds another one. It's a corpse. What the fuck? I'm waiting for it. Like, I'm, waiting for you to, I'm waiting for you to say that there's someone that's alive oh, that yeah. grabs him. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It would be a crazy ass story. And something deep from the dark comes in and pulls him and he's struggling and he can't get loose. And then the door shuts on him and then he gets stuck underwater and they pull the thing outside of his mouth so he can't breathe and then he becomes a corpse he actually becomes the next creature that pulls the person that tries to pull him in now there's your horror movie hours go by van herden he finds the first corpse he finds a second corpse and then something something happens that let's just watch the video all right how you doing nick just talk to me and i'll help you eh? okay so have you come into the next deck to yes, the main I'm, deck. I'm also the main deck right now. All right, so you should be walking on the on the on the ceiling, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh my god! Here's the still image of what happened. This diver is looking for hands and appendages to find a corpse, and this is what came out at him. Oh my god. <laughs> That is literally what I just described. <laughs> what is it? A hand. It's, it cannot be alive. It's a water zombie. Let me back up right quick. Let me back up one second. This boat that does not have any oxygen or whatever. It can't be. Well, because this was boat, the door sealed no, off no, 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 and no. There, there was no water in it. Does that, that, look at all that, Does water. that happen? Well, they opened the door. And all the water's Floods rushed in? in? No, come on. Water gets through that. The, the, I, the I bottom, don't know. I'm trying to explain what it is I just saw. The bottom of the boat is completely ripped open. Oh. Okay, well, go ahead. Keep, keep going then. Unfortunately, the tugboat capsizes, goes under. It's there. Search and rescue. They go. They they obviously, everyone's dead. They know that. A day goes by. They call the salvage team, which are these three divers. A good two and a half, three days go by. That's where we are now. So mm -hmm. to say someone could survive underwater for three days doesn't make any sense if that's what you're going with is that what you're saying i'm not saying that they survived underwater i'm saying maybe they are that... underwater what are you talking I'm about i'm saying maybe that one particular room was was so sealed because it wasn't deep that they survived it was a hundred feet deep underwater oh in a, in a it was not far off the coast so it's it was pressure. 19 miles. So 100 feet underwater. Yeah, that's still a lot of pressure. And no oxygen on board. They're they're looking for bodies here. Okay. So the, it, they didn't find that body. That body found them. Well, it could. All right. What's the alternatives here? It could have been some sort of optical illusion. You know what? Let's just watch it one more time because I want to. I can't. I honestly don't know what what I just watched. Um, do you hear the guy talking? Yeah. Listen. So you can see the guy can't even see where he's going. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So he's looking for these hands. He's completely submerged. Look how tight that is in there. 
Is that voice really high pitch or was that due to my ear damage from earlier today? All right, so here's what you just saw. Oh my God. Oh my God, oh. no, he's gripping him. <laughs> he's gripping his hand. He said you found one, eh? Did that look like he was alive? Yes. yes. It looked like he was reaching out and grabbing but his you hand. Saw his un- no, it looked like he was reaching it's- out and grabbing his uh-huh. hand uh-huh. like that. It, uh-huh. No. Yes. It is underwater. Go back five more seconds it's and watch right. it again. It's a water zombie. Here we go. Look, watch. He's it is. Is grabbing his hand. <laughs> it's grabbing his hand. <laughs> That's scary. That is fucking terrifying. (laughs) What just happened? Jesus Christ. Oh my God. What do you think? Do you think I'm covering a ghost story? No, it's not a ghost. It's someone that's alive. How? Because, okay, just, I'm going to stop talking. Because tell me how. You're the one that telling you how. I'm going to tell you how right now. Because when the boat capsized, (laughs) he found some sort of equipment. No equipment. No equipment. I just already said that. No. no, Like air, there's like an air pocket somewhere. No equipment whatsoever. No oxygen. It sank three days later and he's alive. How, what once David ah. Blaine can hold his breath for like what like three hours or five hours or something? I don't shit? know. I don't know, but I know what I saw. I know what I saw. You saw this. Yes. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> I mean, you heard the guy curse on the. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> in his like heli, you know, helium yeah. sounding voice. Or it's a fa- maybe it's a fake found video. Oh, oh. that is so cool. I, you know what? Who said that? Wolfie. Give him a prize. You think this is fake? I don't know. All right. Let me one more time. Tell us. Tell us, John. All right. Look at it one more time and then we'll stop. So he's going. He's looking for the hands here. And I don't think he grabbed his hand. Watch it. Yes. Watch. Watch the hand. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's holding his hand now. Yeah. That is nuts, isn't it? Mm. As we know now, there's there's absolutely no way that someone could survive underwater with for three days holding their breath. That is just that's just fanatical to me. But this diver, Van Horton, this this hand seems like it grabbed him and he jumped back. And before that, you hear the the commander upstairs. Oh, you found another one, another corpse, another corpse. But then this corpse actually put his hand around. Yeah. Around his hand. There's no air tanks on the ship. There's no way he could be alive. When the diver saw his hand, he said, corpse, corpse, a corpse into his microphone, reporting up to the rescue vessel. But it wasn't a corpse from the only man to survive on the bottom of the sea floor for three days. When he brought his hand close to me, I pulled on his hand, he said. Survivor story? Three days underwater with no oxygen? What is happening here? <laughs> if you're underwater for three days, do you, you get pruny? I was going to say, like, wouldn't your skin or do you like, not because you're fall off? Eventually, this diver gives this water zombie a bottle of water. And he says, quote, I knew when he gave me the water, he was observing me to see if I'm really human because he was afraid. Now, this is a living guy, but to understand exactly how he made it with no oxygen, no equipment whatsoever for three days, 62 hours. So almost three days, 62 hours. As I said, the ship that he was on, the Jascon 4, did what? It got hit by a swell. It turned upside down and it sank. Mm. Completely filled with water. The bottom has 
been crushed open. All the cabins are open. Water's filling everywhere. Have you ever taken like a styrofoam cup and put like a crumpled up napkin in it, tape it to the very bottom inside the cup, and then try to push that cup or whatever down in the water, maybe like a bucket or something. And you notice that it's really hard to push down there and it does not fill up with water. It's a natural law of physics. You guys are looking at me like I'm fucking high. No, I know what you're talking about. All right. I've never done that. So, I've put like a, I've put like a, su- I've suctioned a, a cup to my face before though. Like when you like, so this is you try to hold it there with your mouth. This is how a diving bell works. These were invented in the 1700s. And you see here, the bottom of this is open. Yet there's two divers in here who are completely safe and they are breathing. However, there is a hose up here for oxygen. But the, the most important thing is this is open and water is not filling up this. This man survived underwater for three days, 62 hours. This is when they found him. This is where he was living. This oh. is this is the man right here. This is completely underwater. It just so happened by the grace of God or whoever he worships that it created this freak air bubble four feet high and he stayed in here for 62 hours. Now, it's light right now. He's like, oh, the flashlight and everything. He didn't have any lights. Pitch black. Jesus Christ. And not only that, it gets it gets worse. We're going to he actually does some interviews and you can hear what he went through. Oh, my God. He did survive. It's a Nigerian man and he survived. What do you guys think? I like that because my next theory was he was the guy from 13 again. Isn't that the name of the movie? The Disney Channel movie? The guy that turns into the mermaid? The swimmer? Um, I, I know what you're talking the about. Name of it. It's almost an impossibility that he survived. It's actually theoretically impossible. Air is made of what? Oxygen, 20% and 78% nitrogen and like 2% of other shit, right? Mm-hmm. So going back to this photo right here, and I don't want to make this a damn science lesson, but look at this photo. Where he's at is a tiny air pocket four feet high. Okay, so how much oxygen is in here? This is four feet high or, or less. Not a lot. Not only that, but there's only 20% of oxygen compared to nitrogen, and he needs oxygen to breathe. So you take that space he's living in and then divide Divide it by 80 or whatever, because it's only 20% oxygen. Right. That's all he's got, right? Right. So a and then th- you breathe out carbon. Exactly. So the boat turns over. It created this makeshift diving bell, completely random-like, and it filled with this little oxygen pocket. When he's in this little diving oxygen bubble, for 62 hours is an impossibility because you breathe in oxygen and then you, then you exhale carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. And once you run out of oxygen, you affix. And there's not enough oxygen in there for even two hours for him to live. So how does he even live in this little this so, little bubble for, I don't for know. two hours? Does he how? breathe in the oxygen and breathe out underwater? No, that's I don't think he can do that. Oh. But what does happen is when you go underwater, even a hundred feet underwater, oxygen compresses. So yeah, you only got 20% of oxygen, but you're getting a lot more because it's compressed. Oh. It's kind of like hyperbaric oxygen, right? Yeah. They compress the oh, oxygen. That makes exactly. sense. But what also is compressed, the you're- 80% of nitrogen, which you're breathing that in too and gets in your bloodstream, which is toxic if you get a lot of it in there, plus the carbon dioxide, right? Under increased air pressure, human blood becomes saturated with nitrogen. Okane's nitrogen levels during this ordeal were much higher than ours on 
the Earth's surface. So he was in nitrogen nitrogen narcosis at that point. This guy's name is Harrison Okine. He's Nigerian. He was the chef. He is the chef of this boat. And his story is pretty amazing about how he survived. The only one of 12 and the only one to ever live on the ocean floor without any oxygen supply for three days. You know, what's interesting is the chef from the Titanic survived as well. Hmm. I didn't know that. Fun fact. To survive that long at that depth is phenomenal. Normally, you would dive recreationally for no more than 20 minutes at those depths, said a training consultant from the Professional Association of Diving Instructors. Eric Hextall, a nurse and clinical director of diving medicine at the Duke Center for Hyperbaric Medicine and Environmental Physiology, estimates that an area of about 13.5 cubic meters, roughly the size of the air bubble Okene was trapped in, a person has about 56 hours before carbon dioxide toxicity sets in. If you're trapped in something like that, your carbon dioxide levels will build to a toxic level before you use up the oxygen, Hexall said, emphasizing that carbon dioxide would be the first problem Okine would have faced before running out of oxygen. Harrison Okine grabs this guy's hand. The diver freaks the hell out because he thinks it's a corpse, but he grabs his hand. Okine is not even in this air pocket. He's underwater in the dark. He actually took a chance to dive underwater and compl- when he complete, saw the light. when he saw a little bit of light, and that's when he grabbed the hand. Then the diver followed him back here. Holy shit! The only place he could live. And look at him. This uh, yeah. he is. He is out of it. Yeah. I mean, completely out of it. Now they got to get him back up to the surface safely, which is a lot harder than it looks. Because why? It's the pressure down there. We did the the Biford Dolphin one. Remember when they opened the door by accident? Yeah. And they all blew up he's been under this constant pressure for three days now he's got to be careful going up because he exactly well not only that he would at this point explode because his body is so filled with gases the nitrogen gas so they have to be real careful and also it's not like they have a spare oxygen tank or mask forum they they don't so what they decided to do was drop down a diving bell kind of like the one that the biford dolphin was in it's this big tank they had one on hand like on that ship yeah no no not on the ship but on the the oil rig that's that's how they get down there so they had one they drop it down because if you're a saturation diver you spend hours under there you have to get into the the decompression tank so how the decompression tank works is you're under this high pressure on the bottom of the ocean you get into this decompression tank, which is the same pressure as the ocean, and then you gradually decrease the pressure until you're the same pressure as the Earth's surface. Because if not, yeah. you will explode because of all that pressure and the gases in your in your bloodstream. You'll that literally messy. Ex- you'll literally explode like that that one story we did. It's actually almost impossible to get him back alive. From the National Geographic, he can't come back to the surface immediately, said Petar de Noble, vice president of research at the Divers Alert Network. If he did, he would die. According to Denoble, this vessel would have been at the same pressure as the bottom of the ocean, allowing for the group to be transported to the surface while maintaining the pressure of the original location. A medical director of the Plymouth-based Diving Diseases Research Center said, quote, his heart wouldn't have been able to pump back on land because it was just so full of gas. Talking about the nitrogen gases. I know how that is. So... So they would have to he would have to spend 48 hours in a decompression tank if he can even get there. And at that point, his blood toxicity was near fatal. He would pass out, lose consciousness most of the time. 
Holy effing shit. So let's go through his story and how taking a piss saved his life. All right. What? He's the cook. And you saw him. He's kind of a chubby cook. And he likes cooking. He's been doing it all his life. Oh, what's what's the saying? Don't... <laughs> Don't eat yeah. with, with, with a restaurant with a skinny chef. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So how did taking a pee. All right. This is what he says. Save his life. And this is from interviews. He even did an interview with a podcast called uh, Bottom Dwellers. It's a uh, diving podcast. Oh, cool. You can listen to that. He does a full interview and basically says this inc- incredible story. But I'm going to try to say it like he said it. He's the cook of this ship and he loved his, he loves his job. He's used to waking up at 4 a.m. because he's the cook. He's got to make breakfast. So he wakes up 4 a.m. The first thing he does is like what everyone else does. He goes and takes a piss. When you go to sleep, you have to lock your door, like deadbolt it and have this big key because there's a piracy problem. And when you're sleeping, pirates could board and literally kill you in your sleep. That's Ooh. a huge thing over there. Mm-hmm. All right. So all 11 men on board who were sleeping, here's this this big wave crash into the side of the boat. Now they're struggling to get their keys out. Well, at this point, Harrison Okane is in the bathroom taking a piss and he starts to hear this, this, this rumbling, this loud noise of the ship capsizing. And this is what he says. It was around 5 a.m. and I was in the toilet when the vessel just started going down. The speed was so, so fast, Okane said. He was unable to reach an emergency exit hatch and watched in horror as three crew members were sucked into the churning sea. So remember, he's the only one that survived this. Quote, I heard people shouting. I felt the vessel going down, going down. I heard a voice saying, is the vessel sinking or what? He was in the toilet, as he said. Things started falling on his head. Ouch. Because why? The ship is turning upside down, turning upside down. God help me. God help me. God help me. Then after a while, I never heard from any of my crewmates again. Mm. He saw all of his crew members who were now dressed and ready to go on with their day. They run to the exit hatch to go to safety. He's in the bathroom and he sees a huge rush of water just overtake these three men. So right there, he knows instantly that these three men are now dead. They're sucked out to sea. So he tries to open back his door because he can't get out there anymore. That The water's taking Pressure, it over. Right. The water actually pushes him up a little bit and he is now stuck in the, the second captain's chamber with that little air pocket. That's where you saw him at. So this is, uh, this is where he would be uh, on the ship. You see, he's, uh, he's kind of... St- Okay. The water pushed him back up there. So he's like at the bottom of the boat, which turns into the top of the boat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which is where the air pocket would be. The water pushes this guy in there. And luckily there's an air pocket. I mean, this doesn't always happen like this. No. It was just an act of pure luck that an air pocket even existed. And if the ship didn't turn upside down, there would be no air pocket. Right. It was just miraculous that this happened. No one's done. No one's ever has been so lucky that this could happen. Yeah. And not only that, everyone thought he was dead. So he's waiting to die in the pitch black darkness, 62 hours, almost three days. He said he thought he was only a day, if that. Wow. That's how long he was been under there in the pitch dark. It really kind of goes to show you how time is a construct. Mm. And if you don't have sunlight, then you don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Three guys were in front of me and were suddenly and suddenly water rushed in full force. I saw the first one, the second one, the third one just washed away. 
I knew these guys were dead. The vessel started swinging violently left, right. He's hitting his head. Things are falling. The ship's turning upside down. Wow, wow, wow. It is now pitched back. It is now dark because all the lights go out. Right. All the electricity's gone. It is dark. I mean, you can't even see underwater with the damn lights hardly. So imagine what he's seeing before he knows what's happening. He's in that little bubble. And that was just because the water had put him there. All around me was just black and noisy. I was crying and calling on Jesus to rescue me. I prayed so hard. I was so hungry and thirsty and cold. I was just praying to see some kind of light. The thing he heard next was the anchor of the ship crashing down above his head because, you know, the ankle, the the anchor is floating. Right. Or not floating, but when it flips upside down, it's going to be the last thing to come down. Uh So the anchor is coming down and it just crashes into the bottom of the ship, which is right above his head. Right. Which could have easily penetrated that ship. Uh-huh. But put yeah. yourself in like a, a metal can, because that's what he's in at this point. A metal can. Noise can't hardly get anywhere because the water. So it's all right there. So any noise is, is any noise he hears is amplified right in his ear. So imagine that anchor. <laughs> that would blow your ears straight out. Yeah. I mean that would that would have been so scary. One thing he did do was find some coveralls, ripped them up, and then tied tied up the coveralls to where he was mm-hmm. in the ship's cap in the ship's cabin. So he could, if he needed to go out to get food, for instance, because he needs food, which he actually goes and does that, and he can't see anything. He needs to guide his way back. Okay. Because he does leave multiple times, twice, well, three times with him pulling the guy's hand, three times, diving in pitch black, you know. And then if you get stuck, like how are you gonna get back you don't know your directions i mean isn't that brilliant brilliant though yeah, think yeah. of it yeah He's, he starts hearing the sounds. The the water makes all these sounds, but then he starts hearing other things, which is the fish and the wildlife coming in. And he starts hearing these awful sounds, which he describes as, as this. But I could perceive the dead bodies of my crew were nearby. I could smell them. The fish came in and began eating the bodies. I could hear the sound. It was horror. He's hearing the fish bite and nibble on his friend's body like i mean can you imagine that sound and you know you can smell those corpses and you know that the fish are only there for one reason is to feast on your 11 dead crew members do not like that can you imagine the first day as we talked about the rescue divers go down they knew this was impossible it's not that they didn't try but they did beat on the hole the h-u-l-l the hole of the ship the hole yeah they beat on it trying to maybe hear a response and he was beating on it as hard as he could but you know they were they were on the east side of the ship and he was basically at the the south side which is the north side they could not hear so that was day one i heard a sound of a hammer hitting the vessel boom 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 i hammered the side of the vessel hoping someone would hear me seawater especially the real salty seawater has very negative effects on your body it starts removing your skin i was so hungry but mostly so so thirsty the salt water took the skin off my tongue oh I was there in the water in total darkness, just thinking it's the end. I kept thinking the water was going to fill up the room, but it did not. Okinia said parts of his skin started peeling away after days of soaking in the salt water. 
Isn't that nuts, man? Yes. He survived. He he actually takes a trip down because he knows that the captain's the captain's uh, chambers where he was mm-hmm. has a refrigerator and with food has cabinets. All he found was a Coke, Coca Cola, which they should definitely hit this guy up. <laughs> Lifetime supply, Coca Cola, right. baby. <laughs> One Coke. That's all he had to live on. One wow. Coca Cola. Finally, when he sees a light three days later, he is he's got to make a decision because the first time he sees the light, it goes past him and he knows it's a light and he knows the only way he's going to reach this guy is to swim in total darkness out into the main the main hallway, mm-hmm. which is the video you saw. He wasn't in his oxygen bubble. So when he's grabbing that guy's hand, he's also like, come on, I got to get back to oxygen. So they swim back to the bubble and that's where they find him. I mean, she's. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Whoa. <laughs> and this is, once he gets back, I mean, this is how oh they find him. Oh my God. In his boxers. Dang. Man. I mean, can you imagine? No. No. A little bit about the trauma, because you go through a few things when this happens. Number one, it's this sense of impending doom, which is what they call you think you're going to die for three days. And that just breaks you down mentally. But then you got PTSD. When I am home, sometimes it feels like the bed I'm sinking in is sinking. Mm. I, I think I'm still at the sea again. I jump up and scream. And something called survivor's guilt where, why me? I'm the cook. I'm, I'm a cook. Yeah. Like, w- these other 12 or these other 11 shipmates, like one of them has a family and, you know, and, and multiple children. Like, why me? What's me? Yeah, he's married. You know, why me? Okina said, they told me all the others had died and I cried because I thought I was the only one who had been trapped in the boat. Now, another sad thing about this case is this is Nigeria. So, you know, obviously he went to the funerals of the 11 others, right? Wrong, because in this community, they thought he used black magic to stay alive. Oh, what? This is a different culture. You got to understand that. When recounting his experience at his church, the pastor asked him if he had used black magic to survive. I was so surprised. How could a man of God be saying this? Okay, and I said in disbelief. He said he didn't go to his the funerals of his of his friends, the other eleven, because everyone accused him of using black magic. That's sad. sad. Yeah, sad in it. Why am I the only one to survive? Every week I ask God, why only me? Why did my colleagues have to die? Mm. And his wife says, sometimes when he is sleeping, he has that shock. He will just wake up in the night saying, honey, see, the bed is sinking. We are at sea. That's what his wife says. Mm. Now, I will say, Okine, while he was at the bottom of the sea, he made a pact with God. And that was, quote, if you rescue me, I will never go back to sea again. I wouldn't either. Me either. Yeah, which is really smart. That is crazy absolutely nuts yeah he was going to make a pact with god never to go near the sea again but he's now a commercial diver he got his diving license and the guy that found him is the one that presented him his diving certificate that's so nice and wow a lot of people would think oh well you made a pact with god i think it's him trying to overcome yeah that that fear and he's, I, I, I would see it as he's trying to pay back. Yeah, like he was rescued by in that means, and he yeah. could 
He's you like, know, paying it somebody forward. Else's life. Yeah. So this is him getting his diving or on his last day of his diving school. Oh, right here. that's so heartwarming. Wow. So I think it's a good thing, man. In the in this story, eleven people died, unfortunately. Yeah. But the two characters, the characters we're talking about, lived, and he. No is, one was murdered. Yeah, exactly. I thought it'd be kind of heartwarming. You know, yeah. we did the bath school disaster. That that was a great story. I mean, terrible, but great story. Yeah. yeah. I hope you guys like that. I don't wow, know. that video like that is that's the crazy thing yeah. is to see the video of that in the diver's reaction. Yeah. Like to me, that makes the whole yeah right whole thing because you didn't know. Mm-mm. No, the diver uh, he probably peed himself a little bit. I mean, you saw him jump back. Like, yeah, what? What I fuck? know, I know. And then he's like, doesn't know if he's even human. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, crazy. it's completely underwater. How is this guy alive? That's just crazy. Even if he had an oxygen tank, he's underwater Dead. for three days. Right. There's the oxygen would freaking deplete. Jesus. There's no way he could survive. Right. No effing way. It's crazy. A little oxygen bubble, which was on the verge of of being depleted. Remember the the woman. Yep. The um the the professor mm-hmm. that you read from said maybe fifty six hours before full unconsciousness and toxicity kicks in and you're dead with the compression of the air. Maybe fifty six hours. I mean, and that's not if I mean if you're panicking. I've been in a situation before where I was upside down in in a, overseas and a lot of my colleagues started panicking and you start breathing heavy and that's not what you want to do you know what i'm saying but when someone else starts doing it you start start doing doing it it too yeah Yeah, which sucks but anyway when he did the interview with the diving podcast he was actually on the barge getting ready to dive wow yeah that's wild so he's commercial diver and you know still alive he holds a couple titles number one being the the only man who ever has lived on the ocean floor without any oxygen assistance for that long you know (laughs) that's crazy i mean imagine what his wife i mean this was three days later his wife is already grieving yeah yeah thinking he's dead thinking he's dead and imagine him he when he was doing the interview he didn't he didn't know about the decompression tank so they're like wait i gotta spend 48 hours in a decompression tank Why, why can't i see my wife right now right so they had to tell him about the oxygen and, and the nitrogen in his blood and stuff like that. So yeah. he has to wait another 48 hours in this tank before he can even get to shore. That must have felt like torturous, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. I mean, what a crazy story. I, I found that and I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is nuts. Yeah. So that's all I got. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll be back at when? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. It's five o'clock somewhere. All right. So until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.